Demons Discuss, Take 52, The One with the Closet Raid. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I'm Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hello, ladies. Greetings. Hello. What are we talking about today, Angela? Shadow of Night, Chapter 25. Yay! Yay! We just left Mary's lab. Now we're back at Diana's digs and have a very special visitor. Special. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, I'm going to. Because <laughs> we've got things to do first. We have things to do. Yes. So this podcast is sponsored by our wonderful patrons. Our patrons generously give us some of their change because they don't want ads, or at least that's part of it. They certainly don't want to hear us reading them or talking about products that really don't concern them, like mattresses or toothbrushes. Or box meals. Or box meals. Because you know what? Most people have mattresses and toothbrushes. They don't really need that. And box meals, uh, you know. There's still too much work. It's, it, you're still cooking. There's a McDonald's down the street, right? Not that that's good for you. But yeah. anyway. The sushi <laughs> restaurant's down the street over here. But if you're into that. <laughs> so, and they also don't want us interrupting our normal nonsense with ad nonsense in the middle of their All Souls reprieve. Who are our patrons? Good question. They are listeners like you. Yay. So, Gene, persuade our non-patron listeners why they should bother throwing money into our tip jar. What's in it for them? Oh, there's a ton in it for them. Uh, we do an extra show that shows up on the off week, so you get demons weekly as opposed to fortnightly. As you go up the levels, you get additional swag, like swag. sticker stickers and tote bags, and we'll be adding a couple of extra levels and some new different things. I heard tell about pouches. Yes, pouches. And we may have a special offer for existing patrons buy some special merchandise. So you, you get the after show and then in the after show, you may find out about all kinds of other deals and insider tips. And gossip. Gossip and, and nonsense about us. Nonsense. <laughs> cackling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a cackle hour. Yeah. Okay. So if we've talked you into becoming a patron or you just want us to shut up about it. Our work here is done. Check it out. Go to, go to patreon.com slant demons discuss. Okay, so now on to our discusser feedback. Who's got some feedback for us? Oh, I've got a wonderful SpeakPike message from Lauren of the Lovely Voice. Yay, Lauren! <laughs> we get to hear her lovely she, voice. You make it sound like she's from the land of the lovely voice. Land of the lovely is. voices. No, I, I know. know she is, but like there is an actual land of lovely voices. And she's I know. the queen of it. Where they breed <laughs> Definitely. Them. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So let's hear from Lauren of the lovely voice. Says, hey, demons, this is Lauren. Just checking in on chapter 25. I wanted to talk about the dress that Mary Sidney brought over for Diana to wear to see Queen Elizabeth at court. I love all of the descriptions of the silks and the velvets and how big and exotic it is, at least in my mind. If I had to spend two hours getting ready for something like that, I think I would fall over. Um, I really love the petticoat with not just the flowers and the plants and the animals, but also all of the scientific equipment and architecture. I think that's the one that got me excited the most. Just it filled my imagination with joy. So have a great episode. Bye now. 
Do you hear all the birds in the background there? I know. Isn't it beautiful? It's like evening, <laughs> evening shade. I know. So in the land of the lovely voices, there's lots of... There's lovely birds. There's flora and fauna around, like like Snow White. When she opens her windows, yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Hopefully Lawrence birds do the housekeeping, too. I know. That'd yeah. be lovely. <laughs> Help her make the bed. All right. Who's got something? I do. I have a discusser email from Chloe. Hey, Chloe. Hello. She says, hello, Demon Divas, yet again. I hope you're not going to grow tired of my constant emails. Never. Never. So, chapter 25. Well, one thing always stands out for me when I read this chapter, and it's that Matthew was a whore before he met Diana. To borrow a phrase from a friend, he is a whore no more. Okay. Everyone found their way into Matthew's bed and it always makes me laugh. Lizzie the Virgin Queen has great approval for Matthew's carnal skills. I know these chapters are meant to be serious, but I always end up laughing because I'm extremely immature. Me too. I was going to say, don't we all have our moments? (laughs) Yeah. Matthew being a spy and answerable to one of the most powerful and frightening men in England also makes me chuckle because anyone giving Matthew orders and expecting him to obey is rolling the dice on that one. Love hearing from you ladies. You're a vampire down under. Chloe. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you. Thank you. See, okay, and I feel like we're going to get into this a little bit more as we go through the chapter because this has been a mystery for years. Mm -hmm. Years. Did they or didn't they? Lizzie and Matthew. We'll discuss further. (laughs) No, no. I don't even I'm not even sure she did it with Robin. If she had done it with anyone, it was with Robin. And he was already dead by the time we got to Shadow of Night. So we're going to have to wait for Serpent's Mirror and find out. Uh, I think she was awfully pouty. I think there was some tickle and giggle there. Uh, (laughs) I think she she thrived on attention. Yeah, could be. She liked to have be surrounded by her boys. All right. So this chapter discussion is brought to you by Creatures Rock. And indeed they do. Thank you. We love you, creatures. Thank you. Yay. So we're going to start the wagon here and get ready for this little ride. We left off in Chapter 24 with Matthew and Diana just solving a potential clue as to where Ashmole 782 may be when they got called into Mary's lab to observe a little tree growing and thriving in the Alembic. Matthew decides to add his blood to the mix and they observe the quote-unquote tree and branch where delights fruit ripen. (laughs) And then we open up in Chapter 5 with a progress report on the tree. It's thriving. And Diana's continuing with her witchy lessons. She's got a new wooden box to put her spells in to incubate for other witches. She's perfecting her disguising spell. And she's generally feeling pretty good about herself right now. She's, you know, feeling herself as she's Mm -hmm. walking home from goodies. So, yeah... Then she gets in the house and oops, there's somebody there as she's disrobing, by the way. <laughs> and <course>. angry. <laughs> and hangry, yes. <laughs> you know what? This is like the quintessential modern woman moment translated to Elizabethan England. It's that moment when you walk back in the house and you take off your bra because it's like, <laughs> I am so done with this day. I'm done with it. <laughs> It reminded me of Devin uh, when she'd get home from school because she'd eat lunch. Her lunch period was like, oh, something like 1030 or 11. And by the time she was done from school, she was hungry. So her book bag would go on the floor. Her jacket would get flung somewhere. Her shoes. She'd take off her top shirt. She'd take off and then be a nice trail. And then she'd sit there looking at me mad. I'm hungry. Yes. yes. That's someone with a healthy metabolism. But Diana, on the other hand, I was kind of surprised that 
she reacted that way because she wasted no time turning into that bratty aristocrat. Someone feed me. Yeah. Feed me now. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas oh, when she was at Satur, she took the keys and she explored and she fed herself. Yes. The petulant teen snuck out again. Yes. Yeah. In the midst of her screaming that she needs to eat, damn it, someone <laughs> serve me my food. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to use that line tonight. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> it is Friday. You know, right. I get away with that kind of stuff on Fridays. <laughs> oh, God. So. Actually, what she says, if someone doesn't feed me in the next five minutes, I'm going to start screaming. So, yeah, a little bit petulant there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very Veruca salt. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want it now. And then a gentle cough came from the direction of the fireplace. Whoops. And what did you guys think of this dude? Oh, I knew what to think of this dude because I've read enough history. <laughs> yeah. It was a big fat gulp. It's like, oh, no, this is not I thought it good. was delicious, though, to have. <laughs> to, I mean, she, for all the mentions of Shakespeare and to, and to not meet him, I thought it was perfect to have Burley in, in her parlor. William Cecil sitting there waiting for her like a spider in the middle of a web. <laughs> it was perfect. Oh, yeah. That's a good uh, analogy right there. Ooh. And it wasn't Charlotte's Web by any no. means. <laughs> not as nice. Uh, we get into this. Who are you? The man is not a demon, a witch, vampire. He was merely a wrinkled human. So we established that right away. Merely. You know, he's an old human. And he comes back and he says, I believe that your husband and his friends called me the old fox. See, me not being a history buff, when I first read this, I was like, okay, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I am also, for my sins, the Lord High Treasurer. So I'm going to use that word again, noble team of some kind. <laughs> well, he didn't start legitimately Legitimately nobility. Yeah. Legitimately nobility. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> William Cecil was sitting in my parlor. Okay. So, yeah. Me, as first reading this, I'm like, okay, William Cecil. Hmm. The name sounds familiar, but what does that even mean to me? And how's that, what's that have to do with the old fox? So I had to go back and do all the research just to keep myself straight. And then Diana's like, dull. You know, she's like, oh, shit. She's kind of frozen in place. And, <laughs> and her bra's you know, dangling in her hand. I know. And she's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Dude says, I am somewhat familiar to you then. I'm surprised my reputation has reached so far. For it is clear to me and many others that you are a stranger here. Diana goes to say something and Cecil's like, yeah, before you say anything, it's wise policy, madam, not to share over much with me. So basically, I'm going to stop you right there because I already know what you're going to say. I'm going to stop you right there before some lies come flying out or excuses. I'm not trying to hear it. Well, it's kind of how we operate, too. It's like, don't tell us things you don't want us have to want us to take action about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Better be straight or don't say anything. At all. Yeah, Just yeah. Bite your tongue is sometimes the best course of action. She goes, "What can I do for you, Sir William?" Sir William is kind of upset over this. She, uh-huh. He goes, uh, "I'm called Lord Burley now, Mistress Royden. The Queen is a generous mistress." For as much as Diana knows about a lot of people and being a historian of uh, science, that era, yeah, and, and alchemy. She really knows nothing about this guy. And and <laughs> and it's surprising. She responds with honor, virtuous, premium, premium. Okay, thank you. Premium. Yeah, I, just, I, I love this whole 
sequence. And then I guess that means esteem is the reward of virtue, right? Okay, yes. so the Shirley motto. That's what that is, apparently. Ah, the Shirley motto. Are you a member of that family? And they're known for their propensity to wander. So this is not a friendly visit. No. I, I, I know this. No, and I love the fact she'd like pluck this Latin out of her head because it was like the call to arms for one of the rugby teams. <laughs> 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 I'll just throw this out. Adam, maybe he'll shut up. It's like, wait a minute. I remember my rugby friend saying this. This must mean something good. <laughs> so she goes on to explain, no, I'm a bishop, but not an actual bishop. And then she goes on to blubber on and he's like, no, nope, stop. Wait, but I love yeah, Lord Burley behind his head like, duh. <laughs> and she's just blathering. It's so funny. Yeah. He goes to say her majesty accepts a married clergy, but female bishops are thanks be to God outside the scope of her imagination. So thank God that you aren't a bishop because that'd be another and problem altogether. Right. There would be the patriarchy rearing its ugly head right there. Right. And then she's flustered at this point. She's like, yes, no. Is there something I can help you with, my right. lord? Come on, stop. <laughs> Just, <laughs> stop it. So basically, the queen is bored and, uh, you know, he's, she's going to be looking for things to do. And he's letting her know that in his also passive aggressively polite yeah. way. You need to beat feet out of town. Right. He goes, I think not, Mistress Royden, but perhaps I can do something for you. I advise you to return to Woodstock without delay. And then she's like, why, my lord? Because it's winter and the queen is insufficiently occupied at present. Basically, she's bored and you're easy pickings. I'm doing you a favor. A lot of people helping, you know, well, offering you, to help. Do you think he did this on his own or do you think he was advised to do it? Mm, I think he did it on his own. I mean, he's like, you're easy pickings and you're distracted. Matthew from paying attention to her. And this is a problem for all of us, basically. That's yeah. how I took it. I need your husband at court to fix this and you can't come with him. And so Diana, taking the little bit she knows and talking about them as if they're fact, Matthew isn't the queen's favorite. He's her spy. He schools her. Favorites and spies are not mutually exclusive, except where Walsingham was concerned. The que- <laughs> <laughs> the, I love this. I do too. The, the queen found his strict morality maddening and his sour expression unendurable. But Her Majesty is fond of Matthew Royden. Some would say dangerously so. And your husband has many secrets. Go back to Woodstock, mistress. It's best for all concerned. As I'm reading this, it's like, why are you telling her to go back to Woodstock without Matthew? That's a big fat mess there waiting to happen. I took it as like, I'm telling you to go back to Woodstock and let the villagers solve that problem. I don't think I didn't take it like that, but I don't think he cares. What would happen? Yeah. She just wanted her out of his way. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be out of here because the queen is getting antsy and Matthew, she, <laughs> Matthew is otherwise occupied with this woman. Does problem's my problem. You're not. Right. And I just feel like he knew that an invitation to court was imminent. Yes. She's kind of like being defiant, Diana. She's not going to be run out of town because this old dude told her so. So, no. Yeah. We've had this conversation before that, you know, some people always perceive her as being a doormat. Mm-hmm. But her reticence kind of flies out the window when he walk, when she realized he's sitting in her parlor because she's blathering. She's blurting out things she shouldn't. And then she's like, oh, hell no, I'm not going. Yeah. So, yeah, so much for reticent Diana. Yeah. And then she goes on to say Elizabeth might eat courtiers for breakfast, as Matthew has warned. But she was not going to run me out of town. Not when I was finally getting settled, finding friends, and I'm learning my magic. I am not going anywhere, okay? 
okay. Mm-mm, I'm staying uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not when Matthew dragged himself home every day looking as if he'd been pulled backward through a knothole, only to spend all night answering correspondences sent to him by the Queen's informants, his father, and the congregation. So basically, look, I'm here for my dude. Mm-hmm. He's going through hell. I'm making my friends. You're not going to run me out of town. And I don't disagree with her. No, no. I don't either. No, no. She's got valid no. reasons to back it up. At first, it, it just sounded like she's just going to do the opposite and dig her heels yeah. in. But she had valid reasons. Yeah. She's not just being petulant here. So Lord Burley is like, yeah, okay, tell Matthew I called. I'll be back. Thank you for the conversation, Mistress Royden. It was most illuminating. That always seems very ominous. It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. how was it illuminating to you? What did I just give away about myself? What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, she's still being kind here. She's like, go with him, Francoise. Make sure Lord Burley finds some of his own servants. And he's like, no need, no need. I'm an old man with a stick. The thieves will ignore me in favor with someone with an earring and a slash doublet. The beggars I can beat off if need be and my men are not far from here remember my advice mistress he, he totters off yeah francois sitting there cursing like oh shit here we go <laughs> i love francois <laughs> i know and then she forks her fingers against the evil eye for good measure when he leaves i really wonder what francois background is at this point I'm telling you i wouldn't mind a purple notebook about francois i don't I know. know she crossed I, her well, she crossed herself so well I kind of think sometimes I get this feeling she's very Roma, mm. you know? Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Especially with, you know, f- throwing the evil eye and the cross because it's, it's, she seems more Christian than Berber. Hmm. But that's kind of the impression that I, I could be totally wrong. But that's just thought that drifted through my mind. That whole passage there is a, is a big mixed bag uh, for her crossing mm-hmm. herself, doing the, the forked fingers and then saying he's an old soul. That's like a total mix. It's not definitely one yeah, stream of kinda, religion. Yeah, that's why Roma kind of came to mind because it's like the old soul. And it's like she meant it in a very ominous way because most people are like, oh, they're old souls, like young people who have a great deal of understanding. But the way she said it is like it's not a good thing. And then she goes on to say, I do not like the way he looked at you. It's a good thing my lord is not home yet. He would not have liked it either. And she's like, what? He's like my grandfather. What are you even talking yeah, she about? Was thinking it was, she went sex to the whole sexual thing right away. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, no. She goes on to explain, Lord Burley did not look at you as though he wanted to bed you. How did he look at me then? Like you were a lamb ready for slaughter and he was weighing the price you would bring. And right. basically, Wait. that's how I took it. Yeah, he was yeah. trying to figure out where he was going to move this pawn on the chessboard to But he was trying purpose. to give her a head start. Go back yeah. to Woodstock. I'll give you a head start and there won't be anything further. But yeah, game, you have a handicap if you don't go. go. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm only doing this because I'm a wee bit afraid of Matthew. Well, wee bit afraid of Philippe, probably. He's human, so he doesn't realize that she's Philippe's daughter. So Yeah, he doesn't have that insight. And he only has one track mind. Elizabeth yeah. in England, which is one and the same. Mm-hmm. Which is basically his job. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he's paid to do. So he's doing his job. Matthew comes in. Apparently he slid in all vampiric. No one yeah. even noticed. And he says, who's threatening to eat Diana for dinner? Diana says, your visitor. You just missed him. And she's drinking wine. You know. And he just kind of like takes the glass right out of her hand. Like, really? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> My girl just needs to calm her nerves. She complains. She's like, can you wave or something to let me know when you're about to move? It's disconcerting when you just appear before me like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a scene out of Bewitched. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah. do that. So he says, as you've divine that looking at the window is one of my tells, I feel honor bound to share that changing the subject is one of yours. So what visitors? Come on. <laughs> she goes. It's kind of like George in the story about the book. Yeah, I know. Tell it's like, me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> she goes, William Cecil was waiting by the fire when I came home. And then Matthew's like, oh. <laughs> Damn. It was like a total Homer Simpson moment. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. And she goes on to say, he's the scariest grandfatherly person I've ever met. Burley may look like Father Christmas with his gray hair and beard, but I wouldn't turn my back on him. Matthew's like, yeah, that's wise. And he goes on to interrogate Francoise. You know, what did he want? Francoise is like, I don't know. He was here when I came home with Madame's pork pie. You know, I was about to feed her like she comes home and she complains and I was about to feed her. And Lord Burley asked for wine. That demon drank everything in the house earlier today, Kit. And and I went out for more. So then Matthew disappears and we all know he ran up to the attic to see what the fuck just happened. Diana's like, did he? Matthew's like, yeah, no, he didn't touch anything. It's all cool. So Matthew asked what William said while he was there. And Diana answered, Lord Burley told me to tell you he called and he told me to leave the city. And then the kids come stumbling in like, la-di-da. They notice Matthew's pissed. They're like, oh, shit, we better stop. (laughs) (laughs) Diana eases the situation by telling Pierre to take the kids to Cardinal's house. And I love Jack's exuberance here. He's like, huzzah! Yeah. (laughs) Juggling! Yay! Master Shakespeare's teaching me how to juggle. And she says, so long as he doesn't try to improve your penmanship. So basically (laughs) implying, don't learn how to forge, please. I love that. I love how that just keeps coming up. So the kids go away. Back to Matthew and Diana. And Diana wants answers. Why did Lord Burley come all the way to this part of town to come and see you? It's because Matthew received intelligence from Scotland. And what did you guys think of this? I mean, this whole deal. I mean, I really, I was like, I don't know that it was because he received intelligence from Scotland or was it because Diana or maybe the thing from with Scotland brought this up or I don't know. But I think Elizabeth didn't want to be shown up by that king who was starting to interrogate witches and she's like, hmm, maybe I should do the same. No, I don't know if it was that so much is whether they should step in or or she was always more on the rational side as far as her orthodoxy. Hmm. She wanted to keep out religion. As as she... she was always very even keeled with religion. She lived through mm-hmm. her sister Mary Tudor who killed. Right. Okay. Almost killed her. So, so that's not the point of view she's coming from. It's not that she doesn't want to be shown up. She just wants to be able how to, to handle the situation. And handle sure the situation. Right. Burley okay. heard witches and then thought about Diana too. So he may have been killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. Which makes sense now. I think he was there more for Diana, though. Cause he, yeah, Matthew, I think the excuse was Scotland was yeah. the excuse to get, yes. get Matthew's ear. Yeah. All of that's going on. And Matthew tells her, you shouldn't trouble yourself with what's happening in Scotland. Diana says, not knowing doesn't keep it from happening. And then Matthew says, neither does knowing, though. So, you know, he has a point. She came home with a wooden spell box. This is the next day anyway. She's got a place to put her written spells and let them incubate, I guess. So other witches can use them. I didn't pay attention to this the first time I read it. I was like, how does that even work? No, I didn't either. It has to sit and settle, I guess. Like wine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gets made. I don't know. My mom has always said, she's like, words are things. And how we always say, let things marinate. It's kind of the same thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, just like any other kind of writing, you, you write a draft and you set it aside and then you come back to it. But this mm-hmm. gets a special little place to live. Got it. And some cool. of us let some of our drafts marinate for far too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, won't oh, that's any, gone bad. <laughs> won't name any names. Um, yeah. She goes into the description of the box. It's from the round tree that the fire drake gave her the night she made her force spell. And whoever worked on this box was very intricate with it. You know, there's no nails. So Deb, with her descriptions, it's like you can get lost in the whole description and miss the point of the story. Yeah, you'd like thinking, wow, that's true craftsmanship. (laughs) And then you're like, wait a minute. Tell me more. It's like, oh, but this is not the point of this chapter. No, not at all. It almost reminds me of one of those Japanese puzzle boxes where you slide the, the, it's all joined and you slide the different sides. And Mm yeah, it's kind of, you got to figure out the right sequence in order to get it to open. I've seen those. Those are really nice expensive too. I had one somewhere. Okay, so she gets home. The house is quiet and Matthew was testing the theory of vampires not getting drunk from wine minus the blood. He was in a study alone drinking and brooding. Mm. He's so good at that. Yes. So she goes, okay, what's wrong, Matthew? And he picked up a sheet of paper. Thick red wax clung to its folds. The seal was cracked across the middle. We are called to court. And then she sinks down in her chair and she's like, oh, shit. When? What did you think of this? Them being called called the court and I kind of felt this was coming. I was saying I thought they should have seen it coming. Yeah. Well, it's like not only that, it's like, why did it take this long? It's, it was kind of like the whole thing with Father Hubbard all over again. Okay, you pissed off everybody in London. You didn't go and see Andrew when you were supposed to and now you're just hanging out here and now you're shocked that after all this time that you get called to court especially when Henry and Walter have been in and out and it's you know, she definitely knows you're around because you're getting boatloads of mail at the Heart and Crown. I think she finally got to it and the tipping point was him marrying without her permission. He's like, okay, now yeah, we're yeah. ready to deal with this. Yeah, yeah. that's her. What? What? Thing. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, he says, Her Majesty has graciously permitted us to wait until tomorrow. Well, that was nice of her. Mm-hmm. Burley came back with intelligence. Yep, she's real. She's in the flesh. She's there. Go ahead. Send your invite. Yep. Mm-hmm. He did warn her. He's like, look, <laughs> you can go yeah. home, but uh, this is the next day. So I guess he expected her to go home that yeah, night. He yeah. figured she'd be feet out of town that night. I, well, I would imagine when, when he talks, people listen usually. Yeah. <laughs> well, except for Diana. He's yeah. not used to this defiant <laughs> right. shit. <laughs> okay. In her letter, the queen took pains to remind me of her statute against conjurations, enchantments, and witchcraft. So we all know that the queen knows what Diana is. Just all subtly hinting at it. But, you know, it's plain to us looking at this. It's like, oh, yeah, she knows Diana's a witch. Matthew tossed the paper on the table. It would seem Mr. Danforth wrote a letter to his bishop. Burley buried the complaint, but it resurfaced. Magically! (laughs) How did that happen? How convenient. Yes. So Diana wants to know, then why are we going to court? Okay. And Matthew says, because if we're not in the audience chamber at Richmond Palace by two in the afternoon tomorrow, Elizabeth will arrest us both. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's that, kind of problematic. Yeah, that, that's good enough. Well, and I was thinking being beheaded at the, the tower is permanent. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that it would alert the congregation and stir up all sorts of drama, all of this. Right. It's like, yeah. Okay. The whole neighborhood apparently was anticipating this. Yeah. The Countess of Pembroke arrived shortly after dawn with enough garments to outfit the parish. She traveled by river, having taken her barge to the Blackfriars, although the actual distance was a little more than a few hundred feet because, you know, you could go out the back way and just show up in her back door. But uh, she wanted to make her appearance and her appearance at Water Lane Landing was treated as a public spectacle of enormous importance. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just the neighbors looking at the limo, big black limo pulling up in front of your neighbor's house like, what the fuck? What's well, two here? things. Mm. That gossip traveled as fast as it did. And the other thing is, is Mary did that because because she was signifying her support. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. So that's really cool. Let's go into the whole wardrobe choosing. Oh, man. I love it. War- uh, clothing is armor. Because quite frankly, that's pretty much all women had for the longest time to signify their status and basically use it as a nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. They still do today. Yeah. But in Elizabethan times, it's like if you had an exposed earlobe, dress it. If you have a shoulder, put something on put it. If you have a neck... Else. Put another chain on it. <laughs> yeah, there's a button. Hang something from it. Yeah. If, if, if his if her rough is four inches, you should be six. Right. Right. Yeah. And I found out something extremely interesting the other day in relation to all of this. We all know that purple is a very expensive dye and sumptuary laws and this and that and the other thing. And mm-hmm. very few people were entitled to wear purple. Okay. Black wasn't far behind. Really. In order to get a black dye set and be dark enough and even enough. It was very expensive and very laborious. So you would only see nobility, nobility in black. <laughs> nobility! <laughs> and if you think about it, I mean, and that's... That, the de Claremont colors have always yes. been black and silver, mm-hmm. which is almost pretty much an understated F you. It's like, look, I don't even have to wear purple to prove my point. Yeah, I got the black so, bitches. Look. Yeah, I got, I've got the black bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and some of us like, I do too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like the fact that she was like, I was just going to wear my wedding dress because that's probably the most grand thing she owned. And mm-hmm. uh, Mary's like, no, that's French. That's Mary- terrible. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love how Mary, Mary is so smart on how she can navigate all these subtle minefields. I love this whole part. Like, just yeah. just shut up and let me dress you. <laughs> right. Because this is not going to work otherwise. Just like you said, Jean, Mary likened it to going to battle with proper armor. She made sure she was ready for battle. She goes on to say, my favorite garment by far was the white satin petticoat that would be visible from the front of the divided skirts. It was embroidered, too, with mainly flora and fauna, accompanied by bits of classical architecture, scientific scientific instruments and female personifications of the arts and sciences. I recognize the same hand at work as that of the genius who created Mary's shoes. I didn't <laughs> I think <avoided>, over much. <laughs> I avoided touching the embroidery to make sure, you know, I'm not yeah. going to make Lady Alchemy walk off the petticoat. Like, you know, because that was a disaster with Mary's shoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing was that she'd find the overskirt in black and silver with the fleur-de-lis that also subtly reminds her that she's a de Claremont, mm-hmm. which which was very, very interesting in the fact that she made sure it was last year's design. So she didn't like overshadow the queen. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, you, you can't have the latest things. No. Everything is intentional. Yes. yes everything is, la- you know, it's like, well, this is nice, but not too nice. How 
were you guys on my very, very first read of Shadow of the Night? Uh, I was thinking, I don't, I don't really understand sleeves. Yeah. Uh, coats, dresses. Why are they all plural? And then it's like the anatomy of an Elizabethan dress, which the yeah. farthingale, the, bu- the bum roll, the different sets of sleeves, the rough, it's all put together. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing about the sleeves is there, it's almost like kind of interchangeable too. You could change the sleeves with the bodice and, yeah. And they all t- kind of tie together, which I thought was really neat. And I think it's also part of it is, is to facilitate cleaning and, and make, right. making sure the garment lasts longer. I am so sorry I'm going here right now, but remember color forms? <gasps> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminds me of when you can mix and match and you can, yeah, they yes. were like magnetic and you could layer yeah, stuff. And yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, t- I totally agree. You have certainly dated yourself right there. I as, don't care. As we all <laughs> are dated along with you. Yeah. Um, uh, sleeves. Let's see. When I thought of sleeves, uh, I kind of knew what they were. I kind of knew only because, and I can only relate it to my own experiences. And while we were deployed in Iraq, a lot of the security forces would get issued sleeves, basically this um, one sleeve on the one arm that hangs out the window when they were doing these convoys. Oh, They'd wow. be in these convoys for a very long time, and a lot of them were complaining that their left arm was getting burned because there's no air conditioning in these vehicles. Right. So their arm would hang out the window, and they'd have one arm burned by the end of the day. <laughs> oh. so, so they came up with these sleeves to protect that arm. So you yeah. slide the sleeve on. Well, so. and I was also thinking, I don't know if you guys ever remember, some. sometimes you could get the uh, ski jackets that were the convertible. You can convert them from jackets to vests where the to sleeves, vest, yeah, the yeah. sleeves zip would the zip sleeve. off. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I was kind of thinking of. But four women to dress her in two hours. Holy shit. Could you right. imagine? Well, Oscar Day. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's talking about hair and jewels and everything else. So, yeah, I can see four women in two hours. Hair, makeup, the whole nine. Yeah. Somebody bringing in a whole bunch of clothes. Clothes, shoes, they have to match. Jewelry has to be a statement. And it was like Spanx times 10. Right. Harry Winston sending over his necklaces. You have yep. to pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, not here. You just picked picked as many as you could and figured out how you were going to make them not look garish. <laughs> right. <laughs> make sure you return them at the end of the right. night. Yeah. yeah. So the subject of jewelry proved controversial. Mary had her coffer with her and pulled out one priceless item after another. But I insisted on wearing Isabeau's earrings rather than the ornate diamond drops that Mary suggested. I don't, they, worked, I, they worked once. Might work yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thinking something told her to wear Isabeau's earrings just in case. It, yeah. Just in case. You never know. Yeah. So she's all dressed and Matthew, who's been in a bad mood <laughs> as the hour of doom approached, mm-hmm. he managed to look at her and smile and he was impressed. He was like, you look lovely. Formidably so. Well, I had to laugh because when she started to Taking apart Angela's broom necklace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. I was thinking Elizabeth should have been taken pause or uh, been impressed with a Plantagenet given or bestowed yeah. necklace. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm surprised that Mary made it more. Well, given how mercurial she could be, maybe that's why Mary took it apart to tone it down a bit. Yeah. And given yeah. The, the odd path that the Tudors got to the throne. Yeah, the throne. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I watched her take apart the necklace that my father-in-law gifted me. Well, I, I would 
have been like, oh, what are but, you doing? <laughs> but here's the thing you've got to remember with the jewelry back then. It uh-huh. was made to be convertible because even right. if you look at a lot of the jewels in the British royalties collection right now, the some of the tiara can be a necklace, a bracelet, and a brooch all, that all fit on a cage and you can take it apart and wear it as three separate pieces or wear it as a tiara. So the idea of jewelry being convertible like that is a very old idea. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and it's been a tradition for a long, long time. So I don't necessarily see Mary, you know, ruining it or taking it apart in a way that it's not going to be able to be put back together. Unless yeah. I'm putting it back together. I mean, you'd have to leave instructions. <laughs> Please tell me yes. the reverse order how you did this. Yes, exactly. I, same here. Same here. Like a damn puzzle ring in Turkey. <laughs> I brought one of those home. I was like, oh no, you just take it apart. I have not been able to put that shit together since. Oh, no. God. All right. So uh, what did you think of Matthew's outfit? He was looking rather dapper here. Mm-hmm. He was wearing the portrait miniature I around know, his neck. I love that. I thought it was lovely. He was doing things intentionally, too. Yeah. Okay. We go over to Richmond Palace. Uh, Richmond Palace was on top of a creamy stone tower. The royal standard snapping in the breeze. More towers soon appeared, sparkling in the crisp winter air, like those of a castle out of a fairy story. Wow. Imagine seeing that. It's like, oh, I'm about to no. see these people. What's okay. going on? I don't know. I was I was dreading it. I I wasn't having I was like, "Ooh, I can't wait to meet the queen." I was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> I want to <laughs> meet the queen. Not going to be good. Oh gosh. I honestly was more nervous to meet Isabeau and Philippe on separate occasions. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So what did you think about entering the palace with all the nobility? <laughs> <laughs> I was excited to see how Matthew was going to fit into all this to be honest with you because I'd read enough other Elizabethan historical fiction and and whatnot to kind of have this kind of scene in my head, but I wanted to see what would happen when he drafted a noble vampire into the mix. Right. So Galaglass was with them. He goes, she'll not see you in private before you've been draped over the tender hooks in public. So basically, you guys can hang out out there so everybody can see you and make their assumptions. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and assume, assume that I'm mad at you because you're out there and not in here. Right. Start the gossip train going. And so you can feel a little embarrassed. She's a real piece of work. Yeah. yeah. This is the opposite entry they had from Mont Saint-Michel. Yes. 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 Cool no, your heels. You, you can come in like the peasants do. He, you know, <laughs> Cardinal Joyeuse said, you know, he has got to answer to his God. Well, now he's answering to a different God in Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She's got shit to say. Yeah. Subtly, but yeah. she's still got it to, got to say it. I see and am silent, mm. <laughs> which is coming in a minute. So we obediently followed our escorts to a grand staircase. It was thronged with people. The clash of human, floral, and herbal scents was dizzying. Everybody was wearing perfume in an effort to ward off unpleasant odors. But I had to wonder if the result was worse. Yeah. Like, you know, when you walk into Macy's and the perfume girls, come on. What are you guys doing to me? But they're covering body odor and other stuff. I know. So it now smells like flowery. (laughs) Yeah. Flowery (laughs) funk. B.O. Flowery B.O. It's like, talk about that word, my 
uh, when we, what was the name? Uh, Professor Campanella was talking about the miasmas in, in New Orleans that would, yeah. which was basically, they were calling yellow <laughs> fever the miasma. It's kind of like, that's what I imagined reading it this time around. It's like, yeah, here comes like, the air is so chunky and it's just this disgusting mix of sweet and it's death. It's too much. Sweet, yeah. sweet and death. Oh, no, God. thank you. No, thank Even you. Even if it's not the people, it's the clothes worn over and over, over again. Over and over yeah. again. Because I imagine laundering those pieces wouldn't be an easy thing. I don't think it's necessary. It's because of so many overskirts. Deb did say that they were, despite people's belief to the contrary, they were very clean because you were constantly changing your clothing closest to your body, the chemises and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And they were washed. That's why you had a laundress full. That's why you've got the slutty laundresses because <laughs> they were always washing clothes. Right. Uh. So, I mean, maybe it wasn't quite as bad, but I certainly don't think it was up to 21st century hygiene right. standards. No. Mm-mm. Okay. So after passing a, through a series of three Andy chambers, each filter bursting with padded, scented, and jeweled courtiers of both sexes, we finally arrived at a closed door. Then we waited. The whispers around us rose to murmurs. A man shared a joke and his companions tittered. Matthew's jaw clenched. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, he's got that little muscle in his cheek that's starting to twitch. I can I can yeah. just... Oh, he's like, I, he- I heard that. Yeah. Matthew yeah. Good is going to be so freaking delicious in this scene. Oh. Provided we get it. We'll get Wish it. Wish list. Yeah. We'll get it. <laughs> so, Diana finally wants to know, okay, why are we waiting? And come on, Diana. Come on. Why? You're a historian, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. Are not paying attention that day in class? So, Matthew, he shuts her up. He's like, to amuse the queen and to show the court that I am no more than a servant. <laughs> FYI, yeah. to, the, the Tudor's docuseries was out in 2009, Diana. I'm, I know yeah. you I know you watched it. <laughs> uh, she was too busy. She was too busy. <laughs> okay, so they're at last admitted into the royal presence, and they were surprised to find in this room was full of people. Private was a relative term in court of Elizabeth. I searched for the queen, but she was nowhere in sight. Fearing that we were going to have to wait again, my heart sank. And then we meet her. What did you guys think? I loved it. I don't know. Yeah. I just It was like the moment I've been waiting for. And, and really? she didn't disappoint at all. At all. No, no. She goes on and she says, why is it that every year I grow older, Matthew Royden seems to look two years younger? Hmm. I wonder. Why? She's just playing with them. I know. And she was so, she's so, so vain. Yes. Yeah. Well. Unhealthily so. You know, we were talking about spiraling. I think if I were around a vampire while I aged and that dude would not, I'd be like, oh God, I'm withering away. Especially (laughs) if you had a a crush on said vampire and you remember him from when you were nine. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah, that'd be a problem. So the most lavishly dressed, heavily scented and thickly painted creatures of the room turned slightly to study us. Their movement revealed Elizabeth. The queen bee sat at the center of the hive. My heart skipped a beat. Here is the legend brought to life. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> you better sink into that curtsy right now, girl. So Matthew's like, I see no great change in you, your majesty. Yeah, you do, Matthew. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to play this game. Semper Edom, as the saying goes. The same words were painted in the banner under the royal crest that ornamented the fireplace. Always the same. She goes on to say, even my Lord Treasurer can manage a deeper bow than that, sir. And he suffers from a room. Is that rheumatism? Yeah. <laughs> from yeah. a room. <laughs> 
So black eyes glittered from a mask of powder and rouge. Did they put powder on Diana? Did I miss that detail? No, that's Elizabeth. Elizabeth always wore very heavy, very white powder in it to cover up her smallpox scars. And she had dark eyes like her mother, Anne Boleyn. Ah. So beneath her sharply hooked nose, the queen compressed her thin lips into a hard line. And I prefer a different motto these days. Video et tasio. Is that right? Yeah. Video et tasio. I see and I am silent. And then Diana's like, mm, we were in trouble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on many levels. <laughs> yeah, we're in trouble. Oh, shit. It's like when the kids come home and I've already been emailed, they missed an assignment or whatever. Yeah. I, the, the rule is you tell me before I tell you. Because I already know it. <laughs> so how about, yeah. <laughs> And don't bullshit about it either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's polite sparring that happens in this chamber. It's exactly like the kind of passive aggressive shit that I can't stand because it goes on still today. And I'm an in your face person. And if I have a problem with people, I tend to either confront or say nothing. But these people kind of dance around like la-di-da. Here's an insult. La-di-da. Here's another (laughs) insult. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I do passive aggressive snark really well. I'm well versed. But I hate it and I would rather not. But this appears to be the this is the way things happen in court. Everything's like, wow, really? Worse Mm -hmm. than congregation on the TV show. Worse than that, I think. That's not even uh, the congregation on the TV show is not even passive aggressive. It's just aggressive. Just aggressive. (laughs) Just in your face. Yeah. Okay, so Burley kind of passes by and he tells Matthew, hey, be careful, okay? And so Matthew's like, you called for me, your majesty. So she says, spirit and shadow in the same place. Tell me, Raleigh, does that not violate some dark principle of philosophy? And no, that wasn't her that said that. That was Essex. Essex. That was Essex. She was being a punk. Oh, God, yeah. He is a punk, not being. Yeah. (laughs) Well, he's a total punk. You know, I'll be honest with you. I thought he was far worse than Kit. But then again, he ended up losing his head too, so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Just desserts all around. (laughs) I know. So, uh, who said this? If you had gone to Oxford and not Cambridge, Essex, you would know the answer. That was Raleigh Raleigh. insulting back. Would be spared in the ignominity. Ignominity. What? (laughs) Ignominity. He's basically saying you went to a second rate school, asshole. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, I can deal with that. Thanks. Ignominy. Ignominy. Okay, there we go. You go ignominy like ignoramus ah yes. ignominy or ig- or ignorant there you go that's how you pronounce that word audience ignominy <laughs> That's right. This is how nobility talks. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm having to ask. Rowley casually shifted his weight and placed his hand conveniently near the hilt of his sword. Mm. About to be a fight. Yeah, there's there's a lot of dick swinging going on right yeah. about now. And the queen's like, no, no, Robin. Mm-hmm. You know, I do not like it when others use my pet names. Lord Burley and Master Royden will forgive you for doing so at this time. Because I say so. Yes. <laughs> So the Earl of Exit, Essex, <laughs> Essex um, says, I take it this lady is your wife, Royden. We did not know you were wed. The queen's like, who is this we? And yeah. then she smacks him this time. It is no business of yours, my Lord Essex. Who was Essex? Essex's wife, what, was it uh, Walsingham's daughter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she was the widow of Philip yeah. Sidney, too. So it all gets very tangled right in through here. Incestuous, you mean? No, just... Uh, Inter- all the uh, fam- familial relationships, the how they all kind of like 
weave together. Weave together. Yeah, yeah I the got noble it. Tea. <laughs> the noble tea. The noble tea. Each other. Yeah. The noble tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the noble tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so at least Matt isn't afraid to be seen around town with her. And this is Walter. And he's stroking his chin. I'm picturing him like messing with his beard here. You're recently married too, my lord. Where's your wife on this fine winter's day? <laughs> mm. Here we go. I thought, and this is Diana. Here we go. Here comes Matthew. Lady Essex is on Hart Street in her mother's house with the Earl's newborn heir at her side, Matthew replied on Essex's behalf. Congratulations, my lord. When I called on the Countess, she told me he was to be named after you. Ah, shit. Essex is all like, yes, Robert was baptized yesterday. Oh, God. (laughs) And the fact that well, Matthew was at his house and he didn't know about it till that, just that second. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh gosh! See, they have to keep the scene in with the back and forth because mm-hmm. it's so, like you said, Angela, it's so delicious. So Essex comes back and he's like, "He was my lord," and Matthew gave that the Earl a truly terrifying smile. He's like, strange, I did not see you at the ceremony. Elizabeth is like, enough squabbling! It's enough! It's about me! Right. Back to my anger of your marriage. Yes. Both of your marriages. I know. I I gave neither of you permission to wed. You're both ungrateful, grasping wretches. Bring the girl to me. Oh, God. (laughs) Dang. Grasping wretches. I know. This is how nobility talks, dude. Okay. So they bring Diana over. She, She does her curtsy. And and she's hiding, well, I guess she's got like ink all over her fingers, so she's hiding it behind the fan. Walter can't even look. He's like, Matthew said, just because you're not looking doesn't mean it's not happening. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is a disaster in the making. Here's Elizabeth. And what fortune am I paying you, Shadow, that your wife can afford such a fan? And then now she's petulant, right? Burley's like, hey, if we're going to discuss the crown finances, perhaps the others might want to take their leave. Is this because they just didn't discuss the crown finances? Is it because, I don't know. Uh, Because Burley knows this whole thing's going to explode in about 20 Mm -hmm. seconds and he's trying to clear the room with whatever excuse he's got handy. Okay, got it. Yeah, we're not here to talk about Matthew's raise or his payroll. (laughs) Burley's managing her. Yeah. Yeah. See, and this is weird. I kind of like this burly guy because <laughs> I, he makes sense to me. He's like, okay, look, let's stick to the topic at hand. And so Elizabeth is like, okay, very well. You shall stay, William, and Walter too. And then Essex is like, and me. He, she's like, not you, Robin. Shut up, you, Robin. You, you have to go see to the banquet. Go do that. Be thing. gone. Yes. <laughs> Well, and and I love this part because she's like, and I want this play. I don't want that play. No more sermonizing. I want something fun. And then her idea of fun is a play about Roger Bacon and his brazen head that spouts oracles, which hmm, doesn't it sound like somebody else we know? I know. Yeah. I was just thinking that Jerbear popped up last chapter and this chapter. In this chapter. She's getting around. Which then made me think TV show. Maybe we will get them. Ooh. Could be. He's on Twitter now. I yes, saw that. I know he, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, Trevor, look at you. <laughs> You're ahead of Matthew Good. Yeah, I think Matthew Good is purposely staying away from Twitter. I don't blame him. Twitter. He's staying off yeah. of social media altogether and he needs to keep doing that. It's smart. Smart. Yes. Yeah. But I digress. Yep. 
We all do. Anyway, the thing with Elizabeth here, and this is just my take on it. I know she's important. She has to make important decisions. But when she's just sitting there, she is treated like a child. Yeah. And she acts like one, too. I want this movie. I don't want that movie. And is it just out of privilege that she's able to act that way? Is that how privileged people act? I I think so. I also kind of think she's putting on a little bit of a show because it's like, well, I'm a queen and they kind of expect me to be. Yeah. She's playing a role there, I think. Yeah. But she is also very vain and self-absorbed in many, many ways. And she's allowed to be. Yeah. She's a queen. She's a queen. And no one's going to tell her any different. And that's how it is. So Elizabeth wrapped her knuckles on the table. Time is, time was, and time is past. I do love that line. So Matthew and Diana are exchanging looks like, okay. And so they say, I believe the play is called Friar Bacon and the Friar Bungay. Your Majesty, a young woman whispered in her mistress's ear. Here's Bess. She's like, that's the one, Bess. Wink, See wink, to it, Walter. Robin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> See to it, Robin, and you shall sit by me. Yeah, and didn't she carry around his head in a bag for a while? Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? There's a lot of heads Walter. in yeah. Ted's traveling heads in this story. Wow. This is gruesome. <laughs> wow. You guys teach me a lot. That's true you? love. <laughs> pretty much how they did it at the tower. Yeah. yeah. Lost your head. Yeah, somebody, there was another one where where she carried around her, her deceased husband's heart in a box, but that was French. I can't remember who that was. I thought we talked about her. We talked about somebody carrying their heart. <gasps> was that Marco? Yeah, I think so. It was like a few yeah. episodes ago we talked about yeah, this. Yeah, that was a while ago. That's Lewis's Marco, I think. Yeah. Oof. Fun family gatherings. Somewhat mollified, the Earl of Essex withdrew, but not before shooting Walter a withering stare. Everyone flurried around him. Essex was now the most important person in their proximity. Like moss to a flame, the other courtiers were eager to share his light. So it's basically high school again, guys. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So here's the queen. Did you enjoy your visit to Dr. D, Mistress Royden? And the queen's voice was sharp. There wasn't a conjoling note in it now. She was all business. Matthew's like, we did, your majesty. And Queen comes back and says, I know full well your wife can speak for herself, Master Royden. Let her do so. So Matthew starts glowering because that's what he does. And here comes Diana. It was most enjoyable, your majesty. And then she's like, oh, God, I just spoke to the Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) And then she starts feeding her a line of bullshit, which the Queen smells a mile away. (laughs) Right. I am a student of alchemy and interested in books and learning. And the queen's like, yeah, I know what you are. What's up? You're right. <laughs> so danger flashed all around Diana, a firestorm of black threads snapping and crying. And then Diana's like, I am your servant, your majesty, like my husband. Elizabeth comes back. I have courtiers and fools enough, Mistress Royden. You will not earn a place among them with that remark. So basically, she's like, mm. That's Don't cute. play a player. So she turns to Matthew. Tell me, Shadow, what business did you have with Dr. D? Ooh. She knows that, too. Who told her? Hmm. She just said. Yeah. I see, and I am silent. I, so the queen wanted to know what was going on at D. And Matthew's like, well, that was private. And the queen's like, not in my kingdom. It's not, dude. You better start talking. Yeah, I'm surprised she wasn't wearing that dress with the eyes and the ears all over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's in the one portrait. So we get down to brass tacks. He said, very well, Master Royden, since you are determined to keep your secret, I will tell you my business with Dr. D and see if it loosens your tongue. I want Edward Kelly back in England. Burley's like, I believe he's Sir Edward now. Your Majesty. <laughs> He's like really into titles, didn't he? Yeah. You know? How bourgeois of him. 
Uh, Elizabeth is like, where did you hear that? And then Matthew's like, from me. It is, after all, my job to know these things. Why do you need Kelly? Here's basically what it is. He knows how to make the Philosopher's Stone, and I will not have it in Hatsburg's hands. It, bl- it should be to me, because I'm getting old, and I need Give that Give me the thing. money. Give me the shit. Bring it. Matthew's like, is that all you're afraid of? Is this this why we're here? Oh, shit. <laughs> we can fix this. She's afraid of dying and leaving her kingdom to be fought over like a scrap of meat between dogs from Spain and France and Scotland. She wants to fund her war with Spain and be it done with it once and for all. Matthew says, Edward Kelly is not God's answer. I promise you that. Elizabeth says, any ruler who possesses the Philosopher's Stone will have an exhaustible supply of riches. Had I had more gold at my disposal, I can destroy the Spanish. Matthew's like, well, and if wishes were thrushes, beggars could eat birds. La-di-da. Yeah. So they're going back and forth here. Basically, Matthew says, I have the same desire that you do, your majesty, to save England from disaster. If you go the way of King James and start persecuting the demons, witches, and wares among your subjects, you will suffer for it. And so will the realm. Being so petulant, she was saying, oh, and there's that congregation, and I don't, why am I well, putting up with these creatures and all this bullshit? That's what I took out of it. Well, and the thing I took out of it, too, is it's like, this is getting dangerously close to the shoe being on the other foot. Now, instead of the creatures meddling in human politics, the humans want to exploit the creatures for their own gain yeah. because they feel they have the upper hand. The scales are shifting as we read this passage. That's true. And I mean, uh, I think it was maybe Miriam that mentioned it in a discovery of witches that at one time it was kind of like a 50-50 mix of creatures versus humans. And now it's down to 10%. And now yeah. it's down to 10%. And imagine if when it was a 50-50 mix, the humans would be gone, I would think. I don't know. So I would think it was always a power struggle if, you know, you have that mix. And like the queen, she's aware of what's going on. And I think most of the monarchs we talk to are aware of the creatures. So yeah, I think they would have to be. I would agree. Although I, I would really be interested. Maybe we'll see this in Fernando's book. I, I am super, super curious about King Philip of Spain and his, mm. since he is like, so he makes Matthew look like a Christmas and Easter Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. In in comparison, Matthew's very C&E. Oh, wow. Well, I was going to say, I mean, no wonder why he had interest in in Mary Tudor, not love or romantically, but they were a religious match. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Be curious to see how Deb would write his interactions with creatures. Okay. So after Matthew says, if you go the way of King James and start persecuting the creatures, you'll suffer and so will the realm. And then Elizabeth's like, what do you propose I do about instead? Matthew comes back. I propose we make an agreement. Not one far different from the bargain you struck with Raleigh. I will see that Edward Kelly returns to England so that you can lock him in the tower and force him to deliver up the Philosopher's Stone if he can. Elizabeth's like, okay. What's the catch? (laughs) Yeah, what's up? And Burley's freaking out. You know, (laughs) Burley's like, oh, God. So Matthew suggests in return, you will harbor as many Berwick witches as I can get out of Edinburgh until King James's madness has run its course. And Burley's like, no, absolutely not. We can't do this. Think, madam, you know, what might happen to your relationship with our neighbors in the north if you were to invite scores of Scottish witches over the border? Matthew's like, there's not so many witches left in Scotland. So, you know, yeah. So the Queen's like, I did think, Shadow, that one of your occupations while in England 
England was to make sure your people did not meddle in our politics. What if these private machinations were found out? How will you explain your actions? He says, I will say that misery acquaints every man with strange bedfellows, your majesty. Elizabeth softens here. She's like, that's doubly true for women. Very well. We are agreed. You will go to Prague and go get Kelly. Mistress Royden will attend upon me here in court to ensure your speedy return. How's that? Like that deal? (laughs) No, 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 no. Matthew's not having it. Matthew says, my wife is not part of our bargain and there's no need to send me to Bohemia in January. You are determined to have Kelly back. I will see that he's delivered. Here comes Elizabeth. (laughs) You're not king here. (laughs) What a baby. (laughs) Yeah. I say, but but here it gets a little telenovela here. Yeah. You're not king here. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a loaded statement. (laughs) I just kept thinking, oh, but Lizzie, isn't he though? Isn't he? I mean, because the way he's manipulating her and working her, it's, yeah. it just seems like, really? He's I, had years and years and years and decades of practice managing her from when yeah. she was all in a fit that is fa- that her father was taking his upteenth wife and he right. had to manage a situation then. he's This is not anything. I actually, when you were reading the patch, I'm like patting Matthew on the head. Good, Matthew. She's being the emotional one. You're being the, the reasonable one for once. For once. <laughs> Maybe that's why he acts up at home. He always has to be reasonable out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She comes back and said, you will go where I send you, Master Royden. If you do not, I will have you and your witch of a wife in the tower for treason and worse. Knock, knock, knock. Yes. Here comes opportunity knocking. And saved by the fucking bell, right? Or I know. by the door it, knock. That's what I, I said. It turns it turns telenovela here. Like all the heads turn. It's like, like <gasps> in a Spanish soap opera. <laughs> oh, I know. And the, and the music. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I almost wonder if she had like her ear cocked to the door waiting for the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The queen's like, God's teeth. Am I never to know a moment's peace? Show her in when they announce it's uh, Mary. She says, you once granted me a boon, your majesty. And then Elizabeth's like, yes, yes. What has your husband done now? <laughs> and Mary's like, nothing at all. I have come to ask for permission to send Mistress Royden on an important errand. Oh, this just happens to work out. So why, <laughs> why do I think course. she's standing out there with gala glass? I feel like she knows what's going down. And that's and I'm thinking gala glass with his vampire hearing is like yeah. giving yeah. the play by play like Miriam would have. And he's probably like, now you need to enter now. No. No, 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 go, There's go, your cue, go. there's your cue. Go, go, <laughs> yeah. go, go, go. You don't need to cup your ear to the door when you got gallon glass with you. So after Mary says, I need to send Diana on an important errand, and Elizabeth's like, I cannot imagine why. She seems neither useful or resourceful. I'm like, oh, damn. So she comes up with this thing. I have a need of special glasses for my experience that only could be acquired from the Emperor Rudolph's workshops. My brother's wife, forgive me, for since Philip's death, she is now remarried. And the Countess of Essex tells me that Master Royden is being sent to Prague. Mistress Royden will go with him with your blessing and fetch what I require. I mean, it's no no big deal, right? You, you know what? I'm wondering if Burley was at the house last night to send Diana scampering off to Woodstock so she yeah. would not be in court alone with Elizabeth. He knew this is what Elizabeth was going to do is try and separate them. And Burley's all, being like the ultimate fixers, basically. Yeah, and all the yeah. gossip yeah. got around to Mary, that's Mary that, which is why Mary was on the stoop with the clothes and she already knew that what the play was going to be. Right. It's like he's got this whiteboard and <laughs> just like, okay, yeah. you go here 
dare you do this? You with the clothes, you go. You know, he's actually there. one step further than that. He's not just so Diana's not there in court. He's there so Diana won't go to Prague. Yep. Yeah. Because for her to for her to say, my brother's wife tells me that Master Royden is being sent to Prague. How does she know that? Yeah. Mm. That yeah. means Robin had have overheard something the day before at court about I'm going to send Royden to go get Kelly. Right. Right. So then that's where Burley comes in and goes to the house and wants to send Diana to Woodstock. And I think it's not. I think he just wanted the smooth path to be opened. She won't be yes. at court. She would be no barrier to go to Prague. She'll stay in Woodstock. Won't have to worry about Elizabeth. Fixed. Yeah. Fixed. Yeah. Fixed. Mary has this favor that the queen owes her and she's about to use it on Matthew and Diana. And Elizabeth is kind of like, whoa, and you want to waste such a precious gift on these two. Mary goes on, once Matthew saved Philip's life, he's like a brother to me. And so Elizabeth's like, okay, whatever, whatever. You got me in a corner. Very well. I will keep my word, but I want Edward Kelly in my presence by midsummer. And I don't want this bungled or for all of Europe to know my business. Do you understand me, Master Royden? Matthew's like, yes, your majesty. And he says it through gritted teeth. Get yourself to Prague then and take your wife with you to please Lady Pembroke. So there, so it just confirms it that Essex told everyone. Yeah. Labbed. Yep. Yep. Fucking loud mouth. So she shoes them out, out of my sight, all of you, before I change my mind. And then a word of caution, your majesty, do not place your trust in the Earl of Essex. And that was from Matthew. Elizabeth's like, you don't like him, Master Royden, nor does William or Walter, but he makes me feel young again. Elizabeth turned her black eyes on him. You once performed that service for me and reminded me of happier times. Now you have found another and I am abandoned. So, and that's what I was talking about. I'm like, did she have a crush on him? What was going on? Uh, she liked the notoriety that having younger men pay attention to her gave her. Mm-hmm. And like, Matthew's perpetually young. Yeah. I mean, it was an ego boost. Can we go back to Mary? Because we had established that she came in her quote unquote limo yeah. um, so she could be seen. But do you think she was also doing it to say to the queen and Burley, I'm not doing anything behind your back. I'm doing it right in front of your face. You see what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. I think she was like you said, she was doing a lot of signaling. Yes. So Elizabeth said, I'm tired. And she turned her head away. And I have no stomach for poetry. Leave me. Because uh, Matthew just said, my care is like my shadow in the sun. Follows me flying. Flies when I pursue it. Stands and lies by me. Doth what I have done. Matthew said softly. And I am your shadow majesty. And I have no choice but to go where you lead. Elizabeth's like, just go. <laughs> you broke my heart. <laughs> just go. I'm done with this for today. <laughs> just, just leave. Which is the poem she wrote for the French lover she had or the French suitor she had. Is oh, oh yeah. de Medici's son. Yeah. What is the name? One I, of the it Demet- escapes uh, me. Not, not Duke d'Orleans. Um, no. The frog. The one who looked like the frog. Can't remember his name. <laughs> well, the poem is Amasur's Departure and it was written for the Duke of Anjou. That's what I was thinking. Francis. Okay. Oh. See there? This is like season three of some drama <laughs> that I'm totally missing. <laughs> or maybe like Matthew, like Matthew, Matthew, Matthew wrote it and she picked it up. I guess we're uh, led to believe. Or maybe not. I don't know. Could be the way around. All right. So we're back in Henry's barge. Okay. And Matthew's like, yeah, no, we're not going to Prague. We're going home. We have to go home. Mary's like, the queen will not leave you in peace just because you flee for Woodstock, Matthew. And Diana's like, he doesn't mean Woodstock, Mary. Matthew like, means somewhere farther. And then Mary's like, oh, she kind of knows, but she doesn't want to know. Don't tell yeah, me anymore. She's, she's going to stick her fingers in her ear. Yeah. Yeah. But later, Walter persuaded Matthew that the queen 
was serious and would have us both in the tower if we refused her. So when I told Goody Allsup she was as opposed to Prague as Matthew was, Goody's like, nope, nope, you're not ready for craziness like that. All you have now is a wayward fire drake, a glam that is near to blinding, and a tendency to ask questions that have mischievous answers. You do not have enough knowledge of the craft to succeed with your plan. So no, you should be going back to your own time, not doing with this bullshit. Diana's like, I'll continue to study in Prague. I promise. <laughs> Spoken like a teenager, for yeah. sure. I'll, I'll take my books with me. I'll take my assignments. I'll get my assignments from the teachers. I promise. Mm-hmm. Matthew made a bargain with a queen that might protect dozens of witches. We cannot be separated. It's too dangerous. I won't let him go into the emperor's court without me. And then Goody's like, no, not while there's breath in your body. Very well. Go with your wear. But know this, Diana Royden, you are setting a new course and I cannot foresee where it might lead. Ominous. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, but Bridget Bishop had the last card to play on this hand. She says the ghost of Bridget Bishop told me there's no path forward that does not have him in it. So, three days later, on the Feast of St. Bridget, we all set sail on our long journey to see the Holy Roman Emperor find a treacherous English demon and at long last catch a glimpse of Ashmole 782. This is really important. The Feast of St. Bridget is also in bulk. Yeah. Very, very key because they en- they end up leaving Prague on Beltane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that we just mentioned Bridget Bishop yep. leaving yep. on her namesake feast day. Yep. Yeah. Well, I should probably just save this for the appropriate chapter, but something else came very very, very clear to me. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Then I'll spoil it. I mean, this is the, <laughs> the, this is the season between Imbolc and Beltane where he finally decides to drink from her heart vein and their pregnancy takes. Yeah. And I think the reason that the, she miscarried before is he had not committed. He had not really drank from the heart vein and it was, was the wrong. It was also, maybe. It was, yeah, it wasn't. It, and it was also the wrong season. It was like the season of death because it was between Samhain and Imbolc. It wasn't the right. They were talking about how there's a season for everything thing and you know she miscarried well magically that was not the season for them that's when everything is dormant i mean it kind of correlates to the tree too yeah Yeah. Mm. so there's that anything else about this chapter that struck you before we move on guys the court intrigue to me is always like i love reading about it i love all the little jabs but to deal with that in person oh fuck no i'm out i gotta go (laughs) oh shit i'm out that's me gotta go (laughs) i'm i'm kind of conditioned because the first time around i was all in with with the court and this time i too, but I guess I'm just, uh, it was good. But I'm this time around, I'm the things I didn't pay attention to, I'm really liking, which is like a lot of the goody all sup and the yeah. prophecy and the Weaver's chords and all that, which I had the first time yeah. I'm like, uh. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Gotta get to the court. Yeah. You get, it's <laughs> funny because with each reread, you hone in on different things. Yes. And it's like, wow, I didn't remember even taking that in the last time. But there's so many little different nuggets in each one of these chapters. Oh, and yes. It's like, it, it's designed for rereads. Let's yeah. just face it. So and it's not just different little nuggets. It's different little pathways of nuggets. You can like hone in on the court, court nuggets and have a whole trail to follow. Or you could follow the coven nugget. It's not just a nugget. It's like there's always a whole little stream of things you can follow, yes. depending on what direction you want to go any given time. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like uh, Times Convert, where you can read the three separate stories separately. Yes. Or together. Yes. You can go this path, this path, or this path and take out different things. It's kind now. of like choose your ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort In of like that. In a way. All right, guys. Anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Going once? Nope. Going twice? Nope. Sold. Sold. All right. On housekeeping. This time, housekeeping is brought to you by Melanie Nelson. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Melanie. 
housekeeping? Okay, so with the housekeeping, this just happened to come in. We got a message off of our webpage. Somebody left a very long message. So shouts to Chelsea. We read it. We understand where you're coming from. But you know what? Take 60, as we decided on our after show, is going to be a profile study on Baldwin. And we've chosen to save your commentary. And we thought it was interesting. We do have things to say, but we want to save it. Shouts to you. Keep writing in. And if you want, become a discusser. Uh, go to demonsdiscuss.com, fill out the little form, and we'll make you a discusser. And this way, you'll get our emails and prompts, and you can just write in every time we say something or you have comments on a chapter, something stripes your fancy, and you can just comment that way. So you're not relying on the little message thing on the page, even though that's there for that too. So thank you, Chelsea. Anybody else have any other housekeeping? Speaking of discussers, I've got a message from our discusser-in-chief, Stephen. Hey! Hello, delightful demons. Chapter 24 sent me on another history research project, this time looking up Master Hugh Platt. Platt wrote a number of books on eclectic subjects, from reference books on British botany and agriculture methods called Flores Paradis, to The Delights for Ladies, a household guide and recipe book for ladies, presumably including Walter Raleigh's mother's method for making pastry. (laughs) Platt also obtained what was probably the first pasta-making machine in London. He tried to capitalize on this in 1596 by proposing that the Royal Navy adopt macaroni as a staple food (laughs) supply for long voyages instead of salted beef and fish and liquor. He claimed that this macaroni, there is sufficient matter to be had all the year round from a sole supplier himself. Hmm. Platt was regarded as an inventor and an alchemist. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Stephen. This was really interesting. Thanks, I didn't Stephen. realize. Yeah, yeah I the didn't whole know pasta that. machine thing is fascinating to me. I know. Instead of dried meats and stuff, let's have some macaroni salad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh. awesome. Thank you, Stephen. Every time I hear macaroni, though, I think of the term back at Yankee Doodle, put a yes. feather in his cap and, and called, called it macaroni. It macaroni. And called it macaroni. Because that was the term for a stylish person. You were saying you're stylish. Hey, Val, you're macaroni. Ooh. What? <laughs> Thank you, Angela. (laughs) That makes me think of Essex in this chapter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Angela, what do you have? I have an email from Sue. Yay, Sue. Hey, Sue. She says, have I mentioned I love this group? I was returning home from minor surgery this afternoon, tired and a bit muzzy from anesthesia, and stopped to pick up the art mail. There was a cheerful red hand-addressed and wax-stamped, in cap letters, envelope with a handwritten, in cap letters, thank you for my pledge. It wasn't the first time. I felt it, but you made my day. Timing couldn't have been better. My husband was so amused to see me so excited. How do you have the time, especially with what I expect are exploding memberships? Thank you for all you do and your ever cheerful presence in my life. XOXOXO Sue. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Sue. That's awesome. I will say that if you guys are taking the time to join us on Patreon and giving us your money and your support, I can take five minutes to write out a card and tell you how much we appreciate it. I was schooled in the old way where you always have thank you cards on your desk. You don't, you just do. So if somebody sends you something and now with the internet and everything, especially Angela, Jean and I, we send gifts to each other occasionally. We'll just get on Messenger. Thank you. I got my thing. Thank you. I got my thing. But I think for correspondence, it's very important to let people know. Yes, we so much appreciate it. As little or as much as you give, it helps us so much. You cannot imagine how much it helps us make this podcast happen for everybody.
everybody. And it, it's a lot. And we started doing it on our own. Oh, there's a dog fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a d- scary. Yeah. And we started doing it on our own and we'd split the cost and it was no big deal. But it came to a point where it's like, this is really getting overwhelming. We need to do something. And all of our listeners that enjoy us and love us and they stepped up and they help us. And so thank you, Sue. I don't mind writing out cards. And you know what? No one knows how satisfying it is to make a wax stamp. Seriously. Squish. (laughs) It's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sue. I appreciate you. Thank you, Sue. Thank you very much. Okay. So now let's go on to Savor for the Show. You guys ready? Ready. This episode of Savor for the Show is brought to you by Susie Glenn. Thank you, Susie. Susie. Yay. And Susie is like old school, like OG, original Mm -hmm. gangster. Yes. Like, uh, like we've known Susie for ages. For ages. Like we went to Salem once and she was with us. Yes. Yes. Susie, we knew Susie as long as we've known each other. So, yeah. Wasn't Susie part of the Pie Wacket Posse? Yes. The uh, Poppet. The Pie Wacket Poppet. The infamous Pie Wacket Poppet. I'm going to have to find a picture and put that in the show notes. Yes. Yes. So we'll do that. <laughs> that was I'm just laughing because when you said squish, you know, I came up with the, the Chicago song. Chicago. But then, but then pop it. You pop it one more time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lip shits. Yes. yes. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, on to save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. All right, save it for the show. Topic, book canon versus TV canon in the confusion with the fusion. Proceed with caution. Go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed the tendency is people want to start combining and, and the, the two different canons. I mean, and, and granted, a lot of it does fit pretty seamlessly, but there mm-hmm. are some departures and you just can't do it willy-nilly. <laughs> no, no. It makes a big old mess. I don't think we're going to be able to do it cleanly going forward either because nope. we have more source material with the world of all souls, with Times Convert, with, I mean, it's not even just gap filling with in the, in the TV show. It's yeah. we're getting more layers on top of it. Well, and, and, and with the changes, it's going to start diverging even with this next season of TV with the, the changes in Isabel's appearance, uh, mm-hmm. with the, the way that the congregation makeup has been altered somewhat. Yes. With the fact that the fertility issues have been backburnered somewhat from the first show to the second yes. show. Yes. Season. Mm-hmm. With the fact that I don't think we've had a single hint about Matthew's blood rage in the first first series at all. Not even a, a teeny tiny hint. Mm. Uh, but we didn't get into the first book either. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get into the first book. I, and I would say we, we've gotten more, I would think, because of the end of the first episode. I can't say it was blood rage, but it was certainly more highlighted um, in the TV show about his instincts. Well, and the protectiveness and, and, too, and yeah. smelling and smelling her jacket as intensely as he did. Yeah, um, I think a lot of a lot of it gets merged because the TV show is well. I can only liken it to True Blood. Lafayette mm-hmm. was my favorite character, and he didn't exist in the books. Well, he was there, but he died. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, separating the two, I have to go True Blood, the TV show versus oh yeah the the well, series. Not that I watch it, but I mean it'd be the same way with Outlander because like they resurrect they brought Murtog back to life. You know, right. dead characters aren't dead and well we, we're still not quite sure what's going on with Jillian. With Jillian. That remains to be seen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say no one get any ideas about Philippe or anything. I don't it's not so, going I mean, there. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, the simple fact of the matter is, is that, you know, how we always go into these great big flights of fancy, as I like to call them, an analysis when we were dealing with the text in the book and whatnot. Yeah. And I've seen the temptation for people to want to cram the book and the show together to get to their result, like very being right. very result oriented. And it's like, well, you're kind of mixing apples and hand grenades in this instance. You can't do that. Like you said, fusion of confusion. Okay. So with the congregation, there's Rico Jayen. Now we don't know uh-huh. if he's a replacement to Rima. We don't know if he's Rima's relative or we don't know, yeah. hey, you know, we just decided to put an actor instead of an actress in this place or, right but, here. But more importantly with the, with the congregation is the, the gender makeup. Mm-hmm. It is, especially when you're, you start talking about the demons, objectives of, objectives of the congregation and, and then like you said, the demons, you know, we lose a female demon. Yes. We lose a lose female, a female wit. witch. We lose a female witch. Yeah. Um, then you get into the whole thing about what exactly is the purpose of the, the congregation too. So, yeah. And then there's the Knights of Lazarus. Of course, we got a lot more from the mm-hmm. books. Yes. Then we did on the TV show. I can see that at this point in time, right where we're at. I can see if you need more information on the Knights of Lazarus, you can go back to the book because there's nothing that yeah. conflicts right, right. now, mm-hmm. currently. At this point. But the next season, they might say something where we're like, that's not true. <laughs> you know? Right. So there's a whole, uh, like, Matthew's names, right? Yeah. He always uses his Christian name. That's if we were to go by book canon. That's not true. That's not he true does at all. not. No, he's got a whole bunch of names yep. and he uses them as needed. Yes. As it's suited. For the TV show, if him using, always using his Christian name, Matthew, it may suit because mm-hmm. it would confuse the watcher less, you yes. know, because him being Sebastian or, or something else yes. in another season would be weird, especially since yeah. you have the Matthew going on. You still know he's Matthew. Even if he's Matthew next season, you'll still know he's Matthew. His last he, name's different. Mm-hmm. His full name is never said in this TV show, is it? No. Nope. All of his names. Names are not that important mm-hmm. in the TV show. <laughs> no. <laughs> names are less important. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the dare I bring it up, the age aspect of Isabeau, because I'm only bringing this up because Deb brought it up again. She said in TV canon, grief can age a vampire. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think she specified TV canon. She just said several things can age a vampire. Grief is one of them. So I was like, wait, but yeah, you know, this has been my bugaboo for months. Yeah. And it's like, ah, but is that book or TV? And we're sitting here. So um, I guess my best suggestion is just go with the flow, yeah. take mm-hmm. notes, and just for shits and giggles, we'll talk about the differences after all this thing is done, <laughs> mm-hmm. and we can ruminate about them. But for now, um, I have no suggestions. Yeah, uh, it was very helpful. <laughs> I'm really curious to see how the whole thing with Marcus is going to play out too. As far as the, the, the story, fa- fail to no the failure to to sire. Uh, I mean, because we may not get Jack. They may what? have combined put uh, Jack's yeah. story just given to Marcus or, mm-hmm. or that might be what they're thinking and we're not going to get a Jack. Mm, yeah. That would they, be very that divergent. We, that would be a divergent thing that we cannot fuse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the fact that we, I mean, they've got species decline attributed to Marcus is a thing that, that's going to have to be dealt with going forward because they sort of introduce this whole evolutionary storyline mm-hmm. and then it just kind of lays there. Okay, so in the books species decline is indicated by the vampire murders. Yes. 
All of a sudden, there's these vampire murders everywhere. They're popping up all over the world. And Matthew and Miriam are getting indicators that the vampires are not able to sire. They're also getting indicators that witches are not as powerful. Here's where I kind of like, and this is, this is just popping in my head right now. It's like, okay, they're saying this failure to, I almost wonder if Matthew was perhaps got some sort of sample from a crime scene and knew it was something else and was putting the failure to sire as species declining, was putting that story out there to cover up the fact that there's blood rage floating around that's not his. Hmm. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll see. How do you say vampires are failing to sire? I mean, is it like ancient vampires, all vampires, modern day vampires, or is it because of modern humans that they're trying to turn? I didn't understand. Well, that's all they were saying is failure to sire wasn't uh, that vampires were less powerful and less able to turn people, I think. Well, in the, t- in the TV show, it almost seems like, okay, uh, vampires are losing their ability to sire. Well, is it the environment? Is it <laughs> what's yeah. going on? Is right, it- because vampires are constant if nothing. Yeah. Well, we could talk about this all day. Maybe we just drop it in Shelly's lap and let her sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I don't want to figure out science. Yeah. I want someone to tell me. <laughs> Shelly. Um, okay. I Yeah. The storylines, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a vision here on the TV show end. Just like there was a, just, we might end up in totally different places. I'm I prepared think so for too. It. I'm yeah. prepared for the, the divergence and I, I'm just, I think my whole thought on the Savor for the Show is just people need to kind of be flexible, be prepared. Be prepared. As soon as someone said they're two different mediums and enjoy them for what they are separately, and then the casting of Isabeau, I've totally separated it. I, yeah. I, oh, I whatever agree. happens, happens. I mean, there's sure there's certain scenes I would love to see or have played out, but I'm whatever happens to the show, I'm fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to try and mash them together and use one to explain something going on in the other. Mm, yeah. So just proceed with caution is our message. Uh, but I mean, do what you want. If you want to fuse the two stories together. I mean, I guess this is how fan fiction emerges. <laughs> yeah. But understand that it is an adaptation of the series. So the end result might be same conclusion, but how they got there might be different. Fusion confusion. Sense. Yeah. Kind of like some of those fusion meals that some of these restaurants want to be putting out. <laughs> sushi tacos. That's I was going to say sushi tech where they have tequila <laughs> and uh, jalapeno tuna rolls. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of it's, uh, I think it's good. Some of it, not so good. Not so hot. Be like, mm, that fusion was a disaster. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Any last thoughts for these? Save it for the show before we go mm, to nope. last thoughts. All set. Okay. Stick with us, audience. After this message, we'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of. Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com, slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group, Demonic Discussers. The keys to get in are in the show notes. And if you're listening on your mobile device, click the description. It'll be there too. Become a discusser. And there are two ways to do that now. And if you're in the U.S., 
text ADOW as an ADAL, as in a discovery of witches. So text ADOW to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com. Scroll down, fill out the form and spammer code, and that's it, your discusser. Visit our main site, demonsdomain.com, to see what we're up to. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Keep Angela alive! What are your last thoughts, Jean? Anything? Oh, my last thoughts. The live tweeting has been a lot of fun for uh, the AMC episodes. I catch it always two days late. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like circle around on Monday morning, but still, it's still fun. There's, I tried to watch some of it during during the broadcast time, and you know, I'm just glad it's taken off. It looks like it's a lot of fun for people who participate in the moment. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> live tweeting, yeah, it is fun. It is fun. I mean, I love the. the the, the gifs that people come up with and sometimes the observations. Like I said, I love seeing the non-book readers' observations. And there's one um, that follows us and she's not reading the books and once in a while she asks us questions to clarify things in the TV show and I try to only give like the bare minimum answer because <laughs> right. I don't want to give anything away. I want her to enjoy the full experience on her own. Yeah, get it. So, damn it, I'm, I'm just going to have to pick up this book, aren't I? <laughs> you know? Yes, right. <laughs> Live tweeting. Yeah. You know, when I log into Twitter, uh, usually it's Monday or Tuesday. I just kind of look around, see what's going on. I've blocked a lot of stuff on my feed because I just don't want to see certain things happening right now because I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's basically just been following the fandom around and seeing what's going on. And I see the hashtags and I, I see, I'm like, oh, when was this? And I'll look at the date. And I'm like, oh, that was Sunday night. Oh, you're late. But, <laughs> well, that's the weird thing about Twitter is they'll give you something like it's brand new and you look, it's like, oh, 17 hours ago that yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Sunday night. What was I doing? <laughs> oh, I was working. Right. <laughs> got it. Got it. So yeah, that's, fun. And I see that BBC America, more Mm -hmm. than AMC, I think, has been putting out like little behind the scenes clips here and there. And it's been really cool to watch. A lot of it we've missed. I mean, I didn't see it before. So like the witch wind and the witch water scene and how they did everything. And it's like, oh, and that uh, sit down with uh, talking about it was really cool to be lifted up by wires and (laughs) when they were Mm -hmm. blowing him back by these big ass fans. And yeah, it's really cool to sit down and talk to the actors and see what they think of the characters. Yeah. And I think I did read something where uh, Louise Brealey Breezley. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Louise Breely was talking about playing Jillian. And I think Jillian is a really, she's fascinating because in the book, she was just this nemesis. She was just, Diana really wanted nothing to do with her. Right. She came off really mean and especially the last exchange she had with her. And they were just short, quick exchanges. I think with the TV show, it's more devastating because she's a friend of Diana. Right. And she's jealous. And And she's short-sighted and she's a little bit bigoted because of how she was raised. And there's all of this coming into play. So talk about uh, 
fusion confusion. These yes, are two right. separate situations and talking about how it's like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do with Jillian. Yeah, we're all wondering what they're going to do with Jillian. So Louise said, I don't know if they're bringing her back. I don't know what for or what's going on. So yeah, I'll put a link to that article I read in the show notes. So that was interesting. Anything else, Jean, that you have for last thoughts? No, I'm pretty comfortable this yeah, week. Cool. <laughs> My brain isn't spinning, which is it a nice is. change. Angela, how about you? Specific last thoughts for you. For me, Times Convert real-time read is in two days. It'll be longer than that by the time they hear this, but I'm not making a commitment, but I'll see what I feel like doing on social media. Why celebrate it. Look out. Oh. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We should probably mention that the Times Convert real-time read is going to be happening on the All Souls discussion group. The link will be in the show notes. And it starts, starts on Mother's, Mother's Day, Day, Sunday, May 12th. 12th. Yes. 12th. So by the time you hear this, um, that would have passed, but it'll be ongoing. So you'll still be able to join in and I, there will be a calendar available. And that is at the 10th knot. I believe that's the 10th knot.net. That mm-hmm. will also be in the show notes where uh, Laura has produced a real time reading calendar for Times Convert. So there's that. Yeah. By the time y'all hear this, we'll probably be on chapter seven because we've got some days where there's multiple chapters going on in the next week. And I know this because I'm doing chapter one with Maude Renee. Awesome. I'm doing a chapter, but it's going to be later in the month. So yeah, I'll have to take a look at that again. I told her I didn't care. What can people expect from real-time reading? I mean, not I mean, not the day matches with the chapter. I don't mean that. Like, what are you going to be doing in the group? Oh, what am I doing? I'm doing uh, a lot like what Val used to do in the old days on the real-time reads when we do the chapter reviews. Uh, we're going to be posting some provocative, you know, think questions, Pinterest-type stuff, Easter eggs, maybe a... Fu- I mean, our plan is maybe a fun question or two, some character questions. It's going to be a real mixed bag because we've got a ton of different people participating and everybody is the captain of their own yeah. chapter. Yeah. So it should be fun. It'll, I'm hoping we'll get to see some different approaches. What I used to do is basically, okay, we're starting a new chapter and I did what the real time read on Shadow of Night uh, yes. back then. So what I would do is open up the chapter and say, okay, what is this chapter about? I'd pull out little historical factoids, little things I looked up online, pictures that if you couldn't picture something, this is what this looks like, you know, Pinterest, Pinterest. things. Yeah. <laughs> but Pinterest, I don't know if it's that's a still viable place anymore. I don't know. I never visited. But I know people who still Pinterest. Um, oh, yeah. Pictures, uh, historical facts. Hey, this character made me feel this. What did you feel? And I'll pose a question. Usually four mm-hmm. or five different things to get people talking. And the results were usually, I, I we'd always wind up cracking up at the end of it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's when I was running it. True. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to wind up this time. And plus, it was a real, it was a smaller group back then, too. So, you know, True. we'll see. We shall see. And, you know, I think that's, I think it's going to be fun. I, I know. I'm thinking digging into the Times Convert is going to be so much fun because there's so many different things going on. I probably over-volunteered, but we'll use it again. I, I grabbed a Freya chapter. I grabbed the Baldwin chapter. Over-volunteered. Holy crap. In. You were like, me, me, me. 
<laughs> well, Renee and I, Renee and I are doing the ransom chapter right. together. I told her right. I'd help her with that, and then I am so looking forward to working with one of our discussers, right. Katie, on chapter thirteen, which is the one with the uh, blood sampling. Mm. So that's going to be tons of fun. That should be fun. So we'll see. I mean, it's, it, these are there's teams on most of these, so it's going to be, be good. it'll be good. Yeah. See, when you said that, I thought you were going to be like, who knows what I may do? And I was like, oh, she going to join? What? Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> don't, don't talk about over. Yeah. Over yeah. No, no. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. We care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. See how good your intervention went. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my last thought, guys, uh, the guesses on the purple notebook. Uh, we have three or four of them may have come in and I've made a special folder in our discusser email box. So that's where those are all going. And when Deb reveals what she's actually working on in that purple notebook, we will go through all the answers and we will pick all the ones that were close and we'll pick all the ones that actually nailed it. And out of those, we'll do a random.org draw from that and we'll give out a prize. I don't know what the prize is going to be. We have a lot of things in our prize closet. Who knows? It's going to be good. You know it's going to be good. We're usually good about that. What did she say about it in her Facebook Live? She just said that it was not there in the stack at the time. Is that what I heard her say? I don't know. She's, um, the Facebook lives where she referred to it, she said, the one I'm working on is purple now. And then she said, um, I pick out my notebook colors based on what's available. But I try to match them up. And she said, Matthew is black, Gallo glass is green, and so on and so forth. Marcus Mar- was burgundy. Mm-hmm. Those burgundy ones that were in the AMC short yeah. clip, those, those were, were Times Convert notebooks. But now she's working on a purple one. And purple. we don't know who she's working mm-hmm. on, but... We assume she's going to reveal it soon. So if you have any guesses as to what character Deb is currently working on, make sure send in, make sure you send in your guests to demonsdiscuss at gmail.com or we'll pick out the information out of the, um, discusser group, discusser group too. And I'll put all of that in the folder. I'll send it to myself and put it all of that in the folder too. So we can widen our reach as far as to people's guesses. And also all souls con 20 tickets left. As of the time we're recording this. Amazing. So there's only 20 tickets left. And if you're interested, go to allsoulscon.org slant tickets. Also, I looked at, <laughs> I opened up our email and I noticed another fuck this shit I'm out t-shirt just sold. <laughs> so if you, the, it's a hot item, guys. So if you guys are interested in uh, purchasing one of our t-shirts and yes, the fuck this shit I'm out, Fitzio shirt is available in there. You go to go.demonsdiscuss.com slash shop and our t-shirts are available. All of these graphics are available on mug they're available on pouches they're available on tote bags even the witch ball is available on a scarf look at that fancy scarf so yeah if you're interested in that go purchase something and by the way if you don't want to become a patron and you want to help us out buying a t-shirt buying an item buying any of these things helps us out we put it right back into our operation so just so you guys don't think that we're getting this money and we're like let's just you know go nuts and roll around in it no it goes right back into what we do in demons domain demons discuss which pays for cloud storage it pays for our podcast hosting it pays for 
for our website hosting. It pays for our domains. It pays for... God, there's so much involved with doing this stuff, guys. You guys don't know. But thank you. You are helping us. The list keeps getting longer and longer. It does get longer and longer. So thank you so much for those of you who support us on Patreon, buy our t-shirts and help us out because it does help us out. And, you know, with the Redbubble store, you buy it, you guys get a t-shirt and we we get money. So that works out. Um, I don't have anything else. I think that's good. I think I've talked this out. <laughs> anything else, guys? Nope. Oh, it looks like Deb is planning on oysters for dinner tonight. Okay. Oysters and champagne. Thanks to Instagram. She's day drinking gin. All right. That's the way we do it. <laughs> and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> so you can demon approve. There you go. All right. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you in a fortnight. Bye. Bye. Bye.